everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in dining room studios with comedian and I'm going to say and other things. <laughs> Jackie Cation. Oh, I love the applause. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. And I feel I feel good about it. I feel like it's uh, good about being best friends. Oh, good. Okay, yeah, good. I'm in. I've never had anyone freak out when they've been addressed that way, but for all I know, internally happen. they're rioting. They're like, right. no, <laughs> I can't. I can't handle this level of commitment. Right. We need to share a pound of salt. <laughs> Come on. Exactly. So, um, let's see. Lots to get to. I, you are someone that I've been aware of for a long time. I have always been a well kept secret in show business, <laughs> and I'm trying to just break out of my shell. You guys. Right. <laughs> you and I were on a panel together. Yeah. That radio, oh, that tr- was it. it was, that radio thing, yes, that, like a convention, yes, with a bunch of weird yeah. people in the. We were on with not. We, it would be a pile like, of who am I about to? Who am yeah, I who about am to I insult entirely? I mean, <laughs> Chris Hardwick was on it with us, right? And, and Dave Anthony, Dave Anthony, and Katie Levine. Yep. So the weirdness, were you going to say, was in the audience? The event itself. The, the event, event itself it was, was weird. weird. They didn't know what podcasting was. Right. It was a, and, oh, I know. It was a bunch of radio people who were like, should we get into podcasting? Is there any money in podcasting? Right. And what we they said, were thinking. No, not, not really. We did. My favorite thing that happened on that panel was that, um, the, f- the first question that I got from people, because afterwards they were like, people can come up to the audience, c- come up to the panelists and ask them questions. And a guy comes up and, Minute 52, Dave Anthony mentions Libsyn. Right. So someone comes up to me and says, what is Libsyn? And I was like, oh, we should have started at the beginning of this panel. (laughs) Right. Because that is the podcast hosting thing that puts it on iTunes for you, essentially, in my opinion. That I'm sure uh, that Rob does a lot of other things. I think of Rob as a one-man band. Are you on Libsyn? I am on Libsyn. Yeah. Do you know that, as far as I know, he's the only person who runs Libsyn? Really? He, he might be owner operator. He's the only person, he's the only one I've interfaced with in ever. all of Libsyn and the only in 11 years. person from I've been Libsyn there for, I've yeah. ever gotten an email from. Ever. Me That's too. That's so interesting. I hope that he owns an island because he's getting 20 bucks a month from all of us. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting more than that from me, but. Um, oh, interesting. Not that much more. Oh, good. But more. But wait, question. Do you know, Jeff? Is there anyone else at Libsyn? Yeah. Yeah. They have, I know they have tech support people okay. that aren't him. I've interfaced with them. <laughs> but what if it's him using other email addresses? <laughs> I think it's other people. I, I honestly I hope do. he's hired people he's, he's, for uh, tech. He's the head cook and bottle washer over there. That is mm. for sure. But there, there's definitely some other kind of support right. going on there. Right. So I remember um, just in the course of talking about it, the, something from the panel I was reminded of, which was there was this we had a discussion about doing your podcast live versus in a studio and the dork forest, which is your super long running podcast. Right. You also have the Jackie and Lauren show. Lori. Jackie oh my and Lori God. show. I know. Uh, you know what? 62 episodes in. I completely know who Lori Comartin is. The reason my face said Lauren <laughs> is because it's like I smushed Jackie, Cation and Lori together. 
Right. In my and defense. <laughs> I'll say this about Lori Kilmartin, a, a, a less well-kept secret in show business. She is a bigger deal. So, um, yeah, we did our first live Jackie and Lori on Monday night. That How was crazy. That? Well, she's never wanted to do it. Uh, she is hilarious. <laughs> did she want to do the podcast to begin with? Uh, it was her idea. Okay. It was her idea. Don't think I don't throw that in her face. <laughs> she said to me, uh, it would have been a little over a year ago in December now, and she said, hey, do you want to do a podcast? And I said, I do. I do a podcast. <laughs> I have a podcast. Do you ever listen to The Dork Forest? And she's like, no. Um, and then she kept so talking. honest. <laughs> yes, it's very beautiful. And uh, And then she wanted to do a podcast about being women comics because um that crazy ass question that people right. ask i got asked it today being interviewed about the new album and but at least the guy was like hey i know that people ask this all the time but we've been talking and we had been talking for like 40 minutes and he said i kind of want to hear your take on it <laughs> and he didn't say what's it like being a woman comic he asked the other version of that which is uh, does it affect you when people say women aren't funny and, and mm. there are women comics aren't funny? And I said, it does not, not unless they book something, because uh, then it defect- directly affects me, but I don't uh, interact with those people because they does don't it- go ahead. book women comics, so I don't have to deal with them. I wasn't going to go down this road, but now that now that you've That's exactly rolled out the carpet, happened. I'm exactly. so sorry, I do have to ask, does it, I understand that maybe it doesn't affect you. Does it bother you at all? Or do you just oh. think, oh, you're a schmuck? Yeah, it doesn't bother me. I don't, I mean, it would be ridiculous. It would be like trying to deal with a heckler who was so drunk. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, you've ruined, you've ruined part of my set here. You have to be ejected. I'm a little sorry for you. I'm also a little mad at you, but it turns out I have another show to do. So I can't like every time it happens, like if it's a big person, right? If it's a big deal kind of human, mm-hmm. uh, I'll get an email. <laughs> Did you see? Did you see what Banana Head said about you? And I'm like, Oh, now I did. Thanks. I, I was, <laughs> right. prep, I was, I was successfully avoiding what Jerry Lewis thinks about women <laughs> at the age of 102. Uh, I don't. And the last time someone did send it, I think it was Jerry Lewis. So mm. it must have been like four or five years ago. Um, and I said, yeah, this can't possibly affect me. Uh, he really doesn't book anything I want to do. So it'll be fine. Yeah. I don't care. Do you right. care? No, but I do, I do think it makes you put that person in an instant category. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It affects my opinion of them, right, for sure. Right. You're just like, well, I know more about you now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in a way, it's almost a favor. It's like, oh, thank you for outing yourself. Right. Right. Now I don't have to. Yeah. I just had some problem on on Facebook. I Shocking. <laughs> somebody uh, somebody <laughs> just posted something on on my on on my Facebook thing and said, what about what about this that happened here? And I was like. Yeah, that's a false equivalency, but I do get a glimpse into your brain box, don't I? So good for you, brother. Uh, it's social media, which I love, by the way, for and, the most part, is also exhausting because there's just, when you get into it with someone, and I'm making a huge generalization, such a lack of honest intellectual back and forth it's just oh yeah how come you didn't care when this guy did this which right. is probably the kind of thing you're talking <laughs> about exactly. and it's like this is not even this is not even how you have a debate or a discussion you're in just, real life right yeah you're just trying to torpedo anything i might be saying right oh, it's I'm, just I'm button pushy. yeah and and i i believe on that very thread i said and if you make that false equivalency i'm just going to delete your comment because you're out of your damn mind, mm-hmm. including I think it was the only 
the first one to do it was this guy. I had one date in high school, and it was that guy. And uh, and well, he's still around. He's, he's not over a, you. <laughs> I guess thirty five hundred years later. <laughs> well, and it was weird because um, he asked me out to the night of homecoming, and I had never dated before, didn't mm-hmm. after either, for quite some time. Um, but he, my mother, my stepmother was so excited that he asked me. First of all, he asked me out two days before homecoming, and I said. Kurt, you're not asking me out to homecoming, are you? Because I can't get a dress and get it together in two days. And he said, no, in that tone of voice, which made me think that he thought it might have been an easy thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and he uh, he said, just dinner. And I said, oh, okay. And my stepmother was so excited that I was going out with anybody. She bought us a bottle of Corbell. I was 16. <laughs> Welcome she was hoping to, it was all going to happen for yeah, you. Yeah, welcome to Wisconsin, where <laughs> she's like, "Now we're going to get you a shitty bottle of champagne and put you in his pole position car." So, how was the date? Um, oh, it wasn't it wasn't good. Uh, we were not made for each other. He ended up marrying his high school sweetheart, who was um, he was such a nice guy too. He was a really nice guy in in high school, and uh, an amazing singing voice. And he ended up marrying this woman who. Uh, I think was born, she must have had cerebral palsy or something like that. And so she had always had crutches and, and was, um, but was very tiny and very pretty. And, um, he ended up joining the Marines Mm -hmm. and getting super buff. And he was not buff previously, but I think it turned his mind, uh, because he was such a nice kid and nice guy when we were going to high school. And then, um, and now he's, he's, He's gone off the deep end. Mm, and, I have a few of those too. Yeah. yeah and you just want to go, well, I'll give a shout out to the higher power of my choice. <laughs> and you can't stop me. So there, boo you. So um, your new album, I Am Not the Hero of This Story. Well, speaking which of. Which is very, very. Petty. <laughs> it's very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and Did I send you a copy of it? Uh, your or publicist just, did. Oh, there you go. Yes. I hired a publicist, you guys. It was an exciting time in my life. Oh, yeah. Well, let's actually, I, there's, I want to talk about the album, but first, let's get to the meat of the matter. How's the publicist thing going? I mean, She's it's good. You're great. here. <laughs> right. I, exactly. First of all, um, I didn't know what it would mean. Uh, it's one of those things that like for many, many years, I've always thought, is this something I should do? Right. Which as, um, and Actually, Chris Hardwick, I asked him probably five years ago, I said, what do you think about a, hiring a publicist? And he said, he said something that really shut me down. He said, uh, and it was a good thing because he said, you know, I've never left, left a publicist office after writing a check for 20 grand thinking that was money well spent. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And, but this woman, uh, she, she is a friend of a friend's and this is a first time rate. Mm-hmm. And I, she's more expensive than this usually, but Lori had used her and I didn't know this. You could hire a publicist for just like a month or two. Mm-hmm. And so I hired her for two months, which isn't, which isn't bad because I can, I can afford that. Okay. Yeah. Well, cause and, that's always been my thing is first of all, do I really have anything to publicize, you know, aside from just me in general? And also can I afford it? Cause my sense has always been that they're, they're expensive. Right. Right. And, um, and they can be, and, and I think that they're anywhere between like, 1200 to five grand a month yeah so it's a lot right it just depends if they're not you know at what level they're at and the other thing about publicists is they won't always take you as a client Mm -hmm. if they don't think that they can get you the work which i think is very 
I mean, I used to think of publicist as sort of and this talk of, uh, <laughs> HR-ish, <laughs> sort of the HR world of the entertainment industry, which is judgmental and sweeping as well. Wait, how, and in what way do you mean that? Just kind of like a shiny face of of oh, I see of the being out there. Okay, like I don't know how you know they're. It's a sales job, you know, mm-hmm. and right is marketing. It's and right, it's all it's it's all it's all a big sales job. So I I always think to my. What I like about publicists that I've heard is that they won't take you if they don't think they can work you because they don't, I'm sure it's, it's, it's motivated by the fact that then they will not get good recommendations, Right. but it's also motivated by the honest thought of, well, this isn't going to, it's it's not going to make me look good and it's not, it's not going to help you. Mm -hmm. So let's not take some of your money. So how does it work? Like, does she tell you all the places she reaches out and sort of keep you abreast? She doesn't of it? tell me of all the places she reaches out and what else, what she doesn't get me. And, um, and that's fine. I remember starting about like, I think it's March now. So I did it for February and March. So I think it was the second week of February. I was like, no, it isn't working. It isn't working. <laughs> and the next day she was like, okay, so I got you four different podcasts and a radio show call in and a, and a, uh, an internet magazine. And I was like, oh, it is working. So <laughs> everything's, you want things to be instantaneous and they're never yeah. going to be. And so you're all judgmental until you're like, oh, it's all coming together. It's not <laughs> um, a hobby. So your album, which again, what I loved about it is it's hilarious. And also, like I was saying at the beginning, you're someone, you are, you're a well-kept secret. But like I said, I've had an awareness of you for a long time, but I didn't know that much about you. But after listening to the album, I feel like I have this sense of who you are. Oh, good. Good. Because that, I mean, that for stand-up wise, that's... Right. That's kind of should, the challenge. Yeah. The voice and the sort of hearing, you should get a glimpse into what my life is like and what kind of person I am. Because what I find funny is whatever anybody finds funny is super personal, you mm-hmm. know. So. Yes. So I really, I really loved that part of it. And one of the things you talk about is your husband. You say, as you were saying before, um, pretty much like the only guy that you've had a ben relationship. With. Yeah. With. So what was that like growing up? And was that something that you were you worried about it? Because I was a very late bloomer as well. But and I was someone who was like, "What's wrong with me?" Oh, interesting. Um, I would go through those. I'd go through those those phases of it just because I think loneliness creates a <laughs> this navel gazing of, uh, "Am I ever going to find anybody that right. likes me enough to overlook the fact that I dress myself?" And uh, <laughs> so, but the the. I will say this, and I it was it all came to fruition probably ten years ago when a friend of mine, who was an actress here in Los Angeles, her mother completely bullied her into giving up acting and giving up her dream, and mm. it was like you got to get married, you got to have kids, and and so she was like, I got this job in Boston working in this office, and she had worked at Netflix as a day job while she auditioned and stuff, and so she moves to Boston, and then she ends up rehooking up with a guy that she loves he's a great guy but she doesn't get to act or perform or anything anymore and she never wanted kids and now she has two kids and has been married for like i don't know eight years and i hope her mom is happy exactly <laughs> what i said to my friend and i'm never so happy that my parents never gave a shit mm-hmm. i have a very sort of neglectful they were all like, well, right when you find work and because uh, <laughs> we're not going to give you any money because <laughs> they didn't have any mm-hmm. and it was fine. But it was like I never there was never any expectation of me 
or any of my siblings to find, uh, to get married or to even anything. Where, are you the youngest? I'm the youngest You're the youngest, six. right? Okay. Yeah. So I have four my older word. brothers and an older sister. And I remember my sister had a date in high school and my dad followed them, but just as a joke. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah, they're going to Pizza Hut over on North Chicago. Uh, so I just showed up and my sister showed up and she was livid. Just of course. Li- yeah. And quite honestly, my sister can be very intimidating. <laughs> she is uh, tiny, but a, her brain is enormous. <laughs> so she was, she was like, dad, no. Never again. And then uh, just uh, two years later, she's like, and I'm gay. So, well, congratulations. Maybe you did it. Except for <laughs> she was gay in high school, too. So did you know? Uh, I, I knew it, when she was 18, she was very politically active, and she got appointed to a gay rights um she, she was like an intern or a, a, an assistant to somebody on the gay rights committee in, in Wisconsin at a, at a state level. And so it was I'm kind of a neat... Oh, that sounds like shitty about Wisconsin. What I was going to say was, I'm I'm surprised there was a gay rights. No, Wisconsin is on co- fire politically okay, yeah. right now. So yeah, you should be surprised. But in 19, uh, would have been 86. Wait, 81. Uh, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, we was... were going to have to re-record the whole podcast if you got the date wrong. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And but she it uh yeah, but that's essentially how she came out to my parents is that it was in the paper mm-hmm. and uh, and they read the paper and they're like. What? What's happening? And I remember my Aunt Alice calling me. She said, this is just one of Darla's political things, right? She's not really. And I said, nope, nope, pretty sure. Pretty sure this is happening. And uh, and she was 19 and uh, something like that, 80, 82, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's definitely get the dates right. <laughs> Every, everyone, TikTok, do well, some. Well, that's the main thing people take away from my podcast. <laughs> Factually accurate inter- when it comes to dates, but nothing else. Right. How'd your dad take it? Uh, they took it fine. Uh, my stepmother was just like, I just wish you would have told us. We mm-hmm. would have known. My father has n- never mentioned it. And he doesn't. My father could not be in some ways more self-absorbed. He doesn't care. He cares a little bit what other people say. But he he's like, well, I mean, her and her, her partner had a couple of kids, right? They got mm-hmm. little science babies. And, uh, <laughs> and, and they are very nice. And they are both of sentient age now they are i think 10 and 7 so but when my nephew the younger was born um my brother filled out the story goes to lunch with my dad and um my dad goes yeah i I talked to your sister the other day my meaning our sister and my brother goes she took your call (laughs) and my dad goes is she mad at me and phil says well you know they had another kid and you never acknowledged it and um there's this pause and my father, according to my brother, reportedly said, well, does she know that I don't care about any of your kids? <laughs> and my brother, Phil, proud father of four, uh, said <laughs> there was nothing to do but laugh uh, because that he is correct. Uh, he, he has never cared about my children and uh, he can't possibly. It's never going to matter. <laughs> so um, you also say that your stepmom, who was your mom, basically, right? right? Yeah. yeah. You lost when I was eight. Yeah. Yeah. At a young age. Um, you're your biological mom, biological mom. Yeah. Um, but your stepmom would remind you that she never wanted kids. Oh my God. She never wanted kids. No, she didn't. She wanted to be with my dad and my dad wanted to be with her and not with us either. And did you realize this as a kid? Why? Nobody was hiding it. I mean, he was essentially doing laps around Milwaukee to not be there. Mm -hmm. And she was 
desperately trying to raise us all because she wanted to be a you she wanted to prove herself to him plus she knew that people need to be raised <laughs> Like, right. She was the adult in this situation. And my father was like, well, here's a stack of, here's a bag of money with a dollar <laughs> sign on it. And uh, I'm going to go do laps and probably have an affair. Was so, he, yeah, I was going to say, was he a Lothario? Yes. To this very day, my father, it was my favorite line uh, during the election. Uh, he said, well, she's not, she's not hot, but she's overqualified. <laughs> That's my favorite line about Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Why did like, she run on that? I was like, dad. I will take that. I will take that <laughs> sane statement to the bank, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, too funny. So your mom died when you were seven. Right. In a motorcycle accident. Um, and um, her and her boyfriend, my parents had been separated. Uh, they, it was, it was a disaster. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty horrible death. They yeah. flipped off an overpass oh, and geez. got run over by cars. Oh my God. Yeah. It was bad. They were on a Harley Davidson though. So we are proud. <laughs> And because uh, we're from Milwaukee, mm-hmm. imagine the neighbors. Anyway, if it had been a Kawasaki, but the uh, um... <laughs> sorry to laugh. I don't. <laughs> oh, that's I'm why I'm supposed I, to, right? I, yes, yeah. you are. You're supposed to, and it's all working out. And the fact that you got it is is uh, I don't I don't even know that is a version of the joke that I do on the album, but I don't know if I do the Kawasaki line on the album. I don't think so. I don't think I do. <laughs> I think because I taped, I taped like five nights, mm-hmm. but the best nights, the sh- the night that the show went best was Thursday. And then I pulled a couple of jokes that went better on Friday and just put them in because gotcha. my timing didn't change. Oh, much. see, and I would, I would have had no idea. Oh, good. It felt seamless. Right. And it was, a, it was essentially the same night each, each, each same set of each night, mm-hmm. but just, you know, sometimes you say jokes better, uh, in a, in one night versus the next. So how do you think experiencing grief at such a young age affected you? That's interesting because it was, it was weird about in my family. I don't, and I, and I touch on this on some of the jokes is that there's no, we weren't really allowed to grieve. I mean, there was, there was, there was time when I know that my older siblings went to therapy mm-hmm. it was very popular in the early 70s to send your kids to therapy it was a new thing <laughs> and uh and but they never sent me I, they always thought that i th- i think they just thought i was too young i was seven mm-hmm. um they're wrong because when you're seven i mean i used to do a lot of childcare, and i have a dozen nieces and nephews and uh i know all of their names and uh but the um but seven is actually a super precocious, mm-hmm. thoughtful, navel-gazing kind of age, you know? Like five, six, and seven, even if there's no death in your family, children are obsessed with death. Mm-hmm. They're just like, what happens? Where did they go? <laughs> is it, what's it like? Right. And, uh, you know, is your mom dead? You know, you know, there's just a million questions. So the weirdest, I don't know how it affected me. It certainly... It certainly made, and we never mentioned her. Like to this day, my father has mentioned my mother. He mentioned her like in the last year, he said something vaguely negative about her. What did he say? He said that, well, it wasn't even vaguely then. Uh, if he said, if I tell you what he said, it was not vaguely negative. Mm-hmm. It was, she, she was nuts. That's what he said. And, um, and she was nuts, but I think to some extent she was driven nuts by having six children under the age of 10. Did he mean, in what way, did he mean like nuts, like a true mental illness or like, she's nuts, she'll ride a Harley? Like in 1965 nuts. More, um, she was, she drank a lot. Okay. And she partied a lot mm-hmm. because once they were, 
once they were separated, it was like she was trying to make up for lost time, quite honestly. And because, she was young when she started yeah, having kids, Yeah, she was kids, 16 right? and he was 18. Oh, my God. When they started having kids. She had me when she was 26. And then she died when she was 33. Mm-hmm. So those last three years, which is what they were when they were separated, she lost, like, she lost all sense of of any sort of, like... There was there was no filter. It was just I'm going to go out. One of my only I only have a handful of memories of her, and they're all she's either passed out or drunk in them. Mm. And it's it's not they're not positive memories. Right. It's it's unfortunate because I because my oldest brother who's ten years older than me he's like she was a great mom. She was a really great mom until I was about nine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I was born when you were 10. <laughs> and, uh, and so did I, you not, did you, you only have a handful of memories of her. Is that about how many times you saw her or did you? No, I, she was there all the time. Okay. So you just only have some memories. Right. I mean, there was, um, she was, I, I think she just lost her mind because yeah. she was raising these kids by herself. My grandmother, my dad was because your dad was, he was in, we were from a small town outside of Milwaukee mm-hmm. and uh, called South Milwaukee. It's a factory town. And then, um, it sounds glamorous, doesn't it? <laughs> and, uh, it's actually very pretty, <laughs> but, um, he moved to the big city to see the world, mm. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or possibly, uh, an industrial, a small industrial neighborhood. Uh, so who knows where he was living, but, um, he didn't pay child support because she would, she would do really weird things like buy instead of doing laundry, she would um, buy us new clothes because my dad would do this thing. OK, so he was raised by my grandparents and my my grandmother did all the money. So my grandfather would come home, give his check to my grandmother. And from that, she paid all the bills, mm-hmm. save for a rainy day, because, you know, one day it's going to rain, <laughs> as she would say. And uh, and then and then. That was it. So my dad, when he was 18, would send all of his money home. And my mother, who was 16, didn't have a lot of, you know, financial skills. Mm -hmm. And so she ended up doing these things. And so she'd run out of money. So all the pictures of me before the age of seven, I'm either wearing like a pillowcase and uh, and a pair of tights or like a bowl gown Uh, because she would, we'd run out of clothes. She'd shove them in a closet. Right. Um, when they got dirty and then when she got another check, she would just buy us all new clothes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how long this lasted. All I know is that when she died, they found closets full of rotting clothes. Ew. Yeah. Gross. And it was because she was just completely overwhelmed mm-hmm. and completely just in her alcoholism. She was just drunk all the time. Right. And it was, she always had a job though. She always had some weird shitty day job that, she tried and she did, she definitely did her best. And I'm super sympathetic. And I picture her in a heaven that has no children <laughs> and uh, is just her just, and just, you know, going, Oh, look, it all worked out, you know? And Nancy Cation came into this situation with a, uh, with my oldest brother, 17 and she was 26. My stepmother. Wow. Yeah. So I'm seven. Terry, my oldest brother, is 17, and she's 26, and wow. my dad is 35. So Terry and my my three oldest brothers essentially had been raising themselves for the last five years, right? And my sister, my sister was two years older than I, it still is, uh, about a year and a half older than me. And what, she, I mean, what had happened when, when my mom sort of went out, uh, went south, right, as far as like not 
being present. Mm -hmm. Darla would make sure everybody was up for school. And Darla was, uh, you know, six, seven. And she was like, everybody get up. My brother Phil would often cook um, because there was, but there was no food in the house. I mean, one of the a classic thing that one of my brothers said was he's like, because I would constantly ask questions about my dead mom. And I was like, what was she like? Was it because you'd see these pictures and some of them she looked like she had her act together and some of them she looked, you know, like it was July in Wisconsin <laughs> in the summer, you know, except for that in 1960, no one was was allowed to look like they didn't have their act together. Right. Uh, so because of Mad Men. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> but uh, so I would be like, what was she like? Was it? And he said, it was good. It was good. And then it wasn't, you know, and mm. then it kind of fell apart. And he said. You know, and, and he was probably 13 or 14 when she died. He said, we, I tried to be sad, but it was really hard to be sad because the day after she died, there was food in the house. There was milk and bread. And I was like, oh, yeah. Because they all were old enough that they could walk to my grandma's house to eat because mm -hmm. my dad would give all of his money to my grandma after they got separated. Right. And so my dad couldn't visit us because he was a deadbeat dad. And even in the 70s, they were like, well, you got to play child support and, mm -hmm. or you can't see the kids. So he would meet my brother, Russ, one of my brothers, uh, in Cudahy, the next town over. And he would hand him a paper bag of cash to hand to my grandmother. And uh, But Russ was the only one who saw our dad in those three years. The rest of us never saw him. So when my mom died... Did you miss him? I don't. I didn't know who he was. Okay. When he showed up the day after my... The day my mom died, the sheriff came to tell us that she had died and with my dad. And... um. I was sitting next to Russ and I go, who's that guy? And Russ just hits me and goes, that's dad, you idiot. And granted, I was seven, which means that he was 11. And so I was like, oh, what's that? You know, because wow. I genuinely, I hadn't seen him since I was three or four. Yeah. And I have no memories of my father prior to the age of seven. So I don't know where he was. Mm -hmm. I do that joke about how he was like radiation. He wasn't, he wasn't around a lot, but he affected all of our lives. <laughs> you couldn't see him. <laughs> so, so then suddenly you're being raised by your dad and this other woman. Right. And when you say that, you mean we're being raised by this other woman and my dad. Uh, <laughs> right. Because <laughs> Nancy Cation, great loss to the Austrian army. I mean, literally charts where she's like, okay, we're going to, there's going to be, you're going to have chores on Saturday. Everybody has chores. Uh, you're every day you have to be home by five for every minute you're late. You're grounded a day. So, wow. Yeah. So at five o'clock, you, so in the morning, she would make us breakfast four days a week. She mm -hmm. would get up. Mondays and Wednesdays were egg days. Tuesdays and Thursdays were pancake days. Fridays were cereal days because she had to be to work early on Fridays. Uh, at night, she'd come home, make us dinner. We all had to be, you had to be home by five. At 5.30, you had to be seated. We'd seat, uh, and then someone was in charge of washing. Someone was in charge of drying. And if you washed, you swept the floor. If you dried, you took out the garbage. And if you took out the garbage and you forgot to take out the garbage, you, uh, it was doubled. You had to take out the garbage for the next night. My sister missed it so many times that Nancy finally just said, you're in charge of taking out the garbage till you're 18. <laughs> so she had to take out the garbage for the next three years. It was actually not cool. And we had, and there was like make work. It was like a restaurant where we had to, dart, my sister and I would fold napkins once a week mm -hmm. into triangles, like an entire thing of paper napkins. Right. And, um, and so, and if you had to wash and wipe, you, to get out of it, you had to switch. 
Like, let's say you had basketball practice or band. You had to switch with You had to find someone to cover you. You had to find someone to cover you. And, um, and then, uh, <laughs> or you could, like, my brother started paying me to walk, to do it. I mean, and it sounds like a musical. Oh, and I don't mean be. that in a positive way. Oh, right. It would not <laughs> or, be the or fun it home. Could be. Right. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe I should do a fun home kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. But suddenly having all this structure did, was amazing. That's I was completely say, yeah. on her side, by the way. Mm-hmm. The first time my brothers, okay, so we move into this new house that my, you know, there were six, there were six of us. My brother Terry about this time is gone. You know, he's 18 and he has uh, decided to go look for trouble. And then he found Jesus, you guys. Uh, we're never, we've never been sure which we were happier about. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so it's a, it's a mixed bag. How quickly did he find Jesus when he was looking for trouble? Uh, it took him several years. Oh, okay. So he found, he found trouble, trouble first. first. Okay, he sure. found some serious trouble. It wasn't okay. <laughs> and, uh, and he found the meanest Jesus. So it's, uh, exhausting. So, mm-hmm. um, he's very, sincere that's what we'll get sounds like he's extreme in all his endeavors yes (laughs) and uh so but um so there were five of us and it's funny because uh so my three of my brothers lived upstairs and they never my parents never believed that the heat didn't go up there until everyone was out of the house and they redid the upstairs and nancy said you know the heat doesn't go up there and i was like yeah that's why the boys were freezing and Darla didn't want to move up there. So, cause Darla and I shared a room and it was fine. Uh, but it was, there was, there was genuine structure that was great. But I remember when we, like one of the first weeks, two of my brothers were fighting and cause they're boys, right? And they were 15 and 13 or 15, 16 and 14, whatever it was, the two oldest. And they had broken up a couple of the kitchen chairs, the new kitchen chairs. They'd pulled the spokes out of them and were beating each mm, other with I, the sticks. I don't see this going over well with Nance. Uh, no, didn't go over well with Nance. I was hiding underneath the, the, the kitchen table and Darla was on the phone and she called Nancy at work. <laughs> and I could hear Nancy from across the room and I heard her yell, put one of them on the phone. And so she put Phil on the phone and I heard Nancy yelling at Phil from across town. She goes, uh, she stopped the fight from across town. It's impressive. Uh, yeah. From that moment on, I was like, oh, team Nancy, <laughs> team Nancy, a hundred percent. And, uh, but it was also, there was, you know, there was a, there's an awareness of that. A lot of people have, you know, with, with step parents and with foster care and all these things where you're like, I know she, cause she was like, we're going to love each other, but we're not going to, and then, you know, we're not going to know why, Mm -hmm. and we're not going to, you're not going to believe me. I'm not going to believe you. And, and it, and it, that's exactly what happened is like my siblings for, to some extent, never believed that Nancy loved us. And Nancy overdid it by turning it into the saccharine thing that you were like, well, now I, now I don't believe you. And uh, (laughs) I mean, it's just sort of, I don't know. There's a timing to telling someone that you love them that that makes them believe. And I did don't she know. Start, did she start out too early with it? No. Possibly too late. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you but, re- but the thing is, she showed that she loved us mm-hmm. every day. You know? I mean, it was in the yelling. And she was like, you're going to do your homework. You're going to have chores. You're going to learn how to be polite. You're going to not be a monster. And... I'm going to feed you. It's the food is not going to be good because I don't like to cook. <laughs> and uh, she made the worst pancakes I've ever. She just this. This is so sad. Kind of. Ter- I mean, I miss her. Mm-hmm. But um, how long ago did she die? A little over three years. And uh, it'll be four years this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. Um, 
but I saw her two weeks before she died. It was great. I was glad I did it. And, uh, and it was good. But, um, yeah, she put like, um, she was just making Bisquick pancake cakes, right? Mm-hmm. How can you fuck that up? Right. It's just mix and water and an egg maybe, right? Yeah. That's it. And they were underdone. <laughs> and then on Thursday, she would mix canned fruit with them and she'd put too much <laughs> of the juice in. And we were all like, and she's like, clean plate club, finish it, finish it. And so we were like, fucking Oliver over here with the <laughs> finishing this terrible food. Gruel. But we had energy. We had energy for school, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to stay with the sad stuff for just just a t- one more question. Well, it is kind of fast. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's it's really it's not really comedy, but you know, it is. I mean, it's interesting podcasting. I think. Hopefully, people I listening, think, if I think you're having they a good so time. Too. Do you? So you said that the sheriff and your dad came over to tell you guys. What do you remember from that night? Like, where were you? And well, I was out. I was. Um, we all lived in a in an apartment on Milwaukee Avenue in downtown Milwaukee. So two of my brothers were in one room. My mom was in one room. My brother Phil was in a room that I swore was the pantry turned into a, uh, and, uh, but he always said, no, it's kind of a bedroom. And then uh, my sister and I shared a bed in the dining room. Um, I wet the bed. Well, I would think Nancy stopped me wetting the bed. How? And, uh, she did a series of uh, of stars. It was oh, a, it was a positive thing. She good. was like, "We're gonna put a star on um on the calendar for every day you don't wet every night you don't wet the bed, and if you make it a month, I'll get you a, a, a toy." And uh, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And uh, <laughs> I think it only took a month. It was like the greatest right. potty training in my life. And uh, um, but my, to this day, my sister still sleeps on the edge of the bed because I wet the bed. Anyway, <laughs> it's a poor thing. So um, the uh, um, but uh, and then my brother Terry, he lived his room was a one season porch in Wisconsin. Wow. Yeah. So it had screens. But it sounds cold, super cold. Yeah. And uh, so he started sleeping around when he was about 14 or 15. So he could just sleep for the girlfriends. Yeah, just for the <laughs> girlfriends. And uh, and he was a bit of a Lothario. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure Jesus approves. <laughs> anyway, so. so you were so. So I was asking about oh, right. what you remember from the night. Oh, from the came. night. I don't remember. I just woke up and um, then we were all gathered. But I guess Phil had heard from the neighbors Oh. The upstairs neighbors that it had happened, and I don't know if anybody else knew. All yeah, I how remember did they, is how did they know? Did it happen like close to the? I'm just thinking, how did news travel at that? Yeah, it's weird because yeah. there were no cell phones or anything, and right. I don't even know that we had a phone. But it was, but Phil had heard, and then we were all just sitting around, and uh, and then the sheriff showed up with the guy. <laughs> and I didn't even get it. The the my next memory, I mean I have that memory and then I have the memory of the funeral home mm-hmm. and how weird she looks. People open caskets, seriously. Everyone looks waxy. Don't mm-hmm. do it. And uh I don't know why they think it's gonna be a good thing. And right. if someone wears glasses in real life, put glasses on the corpse, please, so that we could recognize the human. Yeah. And uh so but then and I remember Drinking coffee for the first time at the funeral. Oh, you have a joke about that. I did yeah, not yeah. know that that was yeah, that I, truly happened. Right. I didn't like it, but I put a lot of sugar. In it. <laughs> I liked it better, it turns out. Yeah. 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 Uh, 
Most of my jokes are have at least a kernel of truth, mm-hmm. uh, more so some more so than others. I mean, my father is hilariously has always said, "I understand, I get it. It's a caricature," <laughs> and I was like, "You keep telling yourself that, buddy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the I'm not going to say that what the joke is, but the joke in in your act, you make a reference to someone saying, "Give her some coffee." So I oh, didn't yeah. know that it actually. Oh right, right. Went, yeah, yeah. Went to fruition. Um, yeah, I got a nice cup of Joe. Apparently, I'm just going to stick with the dark stuff for a moment. Okay. I have, I have found. Did you like the last 45 minutes? Did, uh, <laughs> well, you. This is interesting because other other interviews, people have concentrated entirely on the first 15 minutes of political. You, I was. I actually made a note. I wanted to ask about the political stuff, but it was the. This is much more. This okay. is better because nobody's concentrating on the weird, super dark family stuff. I, I do. So I will. <laughs> so my 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 feelings about the album. I enjoyed all of it. For me, though. And maybe this is just the stuff that I connect with. It actually did. I can, I connected more with the later on stuff. So, yeah. yeah so yeah. maybe that is, I didn't time it up. Maybe that is the last 45 minutes. The that's, part where it starts getting very personal and you start finding out more about you. And that's the middle chunk. And then the end is mostly the married stuff. Yeah. I liked all of, all of it. Yeah. The married stuff is super positive and mm-hmm. very, very cheerful because I am happily, happily married, you guys. Yay. Your husband. Is it He's wife? just a total dork, right? Yeah. I mean, and I mean that in a positive way. In the most positive way, totally. Yep. He's a game designer. We're going on a cruise uh, to Mexico, and it's essentially a, a, a nerd. It's called Joko Nerd Cruise. And so he's brought the game. The He has two board games that he has publishers for that he's mm-hmm. working on, but he's a video game designer. So he's going to bring the board game pro- prototypes, and we're going to play test them. And then there's a just a whole part of the cruise that is entirely dedicated to board games. And then another part, somebody asked me if I want to learn how to swing dance. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how to dance. So, uh, <laughs> And then there's a lot of um, nerd music, too. And then I'll do stand-up, and I'll do a live dork forest. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, there's so many things. There's so many different avenues now we can go down. Have you so heard any of the other albums? I have not because uh, what I would because bread. Okay, so I've this is my fourth album, mm-hmm. and I had four. This is essentially my fourth and a half album because I put a, I self published an album that I recorded with a uh, yeah. It has all the qualities of these items uh, that I recorded it. I did the editing with shareware and then I burned it to CDs and put stickers on them. So uh, that is no longer available. And uh, if you find it, rip it quick before it uh, disintegrates. So, um, and then there's circus people, which is an okay album. And then bread uh, uh, it's never going to be bread has some of the great sort of like history of my dad jokes on it, which I mean, if you like the family stuff, Listen to Bread and Listen to Horcrux, which was my last album, which was called um, This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux. And it's mostly about, um, that has a lot of personal stuff about my marriage, which is mm-hmm. kind of, you will like that because it's kind of super dark where we LARP out a sex thing. That's how we fix. Wow. Uh, yeah, we fix uh, my, uh, my, 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 uh, my sexual assault issues with LARPing. Come on. Uh, <laughs> And I recommend you use a trained uh, game designer, professional. Well, I don't know. Do whatever you need to do. What are your sexual assault issues? Oh, just, you know how, like, you, I used to ride the bus a lot. Mm. Yeah. So you're constantly being groped and grabbed and there was some trouble. It's over. It's, uh, but it's, you know, it's over, but it never, you know, when you're, whenever there's, I'd, you like, I was never, like, I have friends who were rape raped, mm. like tackled and Right. Fucked. And um, I was date raped and then I was 
molested a little bit on the fucking bus and it was gross uh these things are gross Mm -hmm. and uh comedy gold though come on (laughs) it's the comedy gold of like weird things that happen to you so and it was um and andy's helped me out a little bit you know and um and it was it was a weird situation where essentially because the here's the now you could hear the gist of the joke, which is uh, I had never had sex with the same person this much. And so we're doing it like we do. And he poked me in a way that reminded me of a negative sexual experience, mm. which means all of a sudden he was having sex with someone who was crying. And now a woman who is crying during sex, you have a couple of choices. You could lie there stoically while silent tears course down your face and he ruts like it's a dickens novel (laughs) or you can talk to him like a person who wants you to have a good time because he does almost everybody wants everybody to Mm -hmm. have a good time uh one night stand guys even those guys were like did you have fun i'm i'm leaving i'm never calling what good times were had i'm out of here so um i told him when it happened i was like boohoo i'm gonna need a minute (laughs) to regroup and he said of course of course but he's a game designer so he goes or we could larp it out (laughs) We'll put a couple of chairs in the kitchen, pretend we're on the bus, and we'll do the thing that happened, but we'll do it to each other, and we'll laugh, and we'll cry, and at the end of it, you'll be having sex with me, and you love having sex with me, my favorite line. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it worked. It totally worked. It was like it was like a really healing, kind of crazy, amazing thing that he kind of fixed it. Does he have... He's uh, an art degree. <laughs> okay. Well, then, yes. No. What I was going to ask is, does he have... Has he been through a lot of therapy? Or, I mean, like, does he have some therapeutic sense? Or was that just this idea that the, worked really well? He's the most normal. He is literally, his father used to say moderation in all things, except my, even moderation. Mm-hmm. And, but for Andy, I mean, he is, he's very smart and he's very funny, but he is like, when he drinks, he'll have like a third, like two thirds of a margarita. And he's like, mm, I'm starting to feel it. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's the when good you drink part. more. Yeah, that's the you power through, <laughs> and you get to check out on the other side of that. And he's like, "Yeah, I don't want to check out. What what's happening?" And I was like, "Oh, okay, sanity, interesting." And uh, and he's he's polite. <laughs> he's just a kind. Every time I tell people that he's a sweet man, he's like, "Could you also tell them that I'm very dangerous?" Because it's also <laughs> it's just humiliating. And I was like, "You're very sweet, but you're also very dangerous." <laughs> Wow. Well, that's so interesting that you guys work out so well, given, and take, please take this in the spirit it's intended. <laughs> he sounds so normal and you're just so fucked up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. No, but right. I mean, you have such a, there is so much in, well, uh, do you agree there's instability in your background? I mean, you had Nancy who actually was super stable. Sounds right. Like. And my father, quite honestly, for the fact that, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't a hands-on kind of guy. He was, he was, he was always there, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, and he was the kind of guy that if you did get in trouble, he would just pop up and he'd be like, oh, we're going to, we're going to fix this. And he would always take your side mm-hmm. and he would always, um, and he, he was, he was the, you know, I, one time we were talking and I doubt he remembers this, but I was like, he's, he's like, cause he didn't care that I did stand up. He was like, whatever, as long as you're not asking me for money and you're not a burden on society, do whatever you want to do. And, um, his attitude, he said, one time and i'm gonna paraphrase it but it was like well you might as well do what you want to do because uh i'm gonna make funny either way so (laughs) it's like you might as well live your dreams because if you make them oh that's i'm gonna make fun of you but if you don't make them i'm gonna make fun of you so you might as well try (laughs) 
it's so strangely liberating and also supportive. Enormously liberating. <laughs> liberating is exactly the word because you're like, oh, well, then who cares, right? And and that's and and that's the thing about my dad that I love is the fact that one of the greatest things about him is that he's the kind of guy who's like, yeah, you might. I mean. One of the, like when he got, when he, when he had that heart surgery, he said, do whatever you want to do. And he meant. Those were his dying words for Those you. were his dying words for he me. He didn't die, but. He did not die. He right. lived. And, um, he said, well, tell her to do whatever she wants to do, which is, the, I mean, amazing advice. And I was like, well, I suppose if it doesn't hurt anybody is the joke. Mm-hmm. And, and he, and he, and he doesn't remember this because he was junked up on morphine or whatever, but he, but he said, no, even if it hurts people, you should do whatever you want to do. And I was like, okay. And he, he's the kind of guy that knows, he knows the value of, of, that life can be a grind, mm-hmm. but you have to treat yourself right. You know, he's the kind of guy who's like, if he wanted a latte every day, he'd get himself a latte. It's not, he has a pinky ring <laughs> that, that is, we mock openly in the family <laughs> because he is Armenian and, uh, he is, we are all half Armenian and he is full blooded Armenian and he has this wacky pinky ring and he had this gold suit and, um, but it never affected like his earning potential. You know, he would bring home enough money so that we would, we would live, but he, you know, you had to kind of make your own special things happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if, like I wanted a bike, so I got a leftover bike. I got a, a, a secondhand bike uh, from one of my cousins and they never organized to get it fixed. So I never had a bike. You just had a bike. I just had a bike. And I was like, <laughs> I, I figured out how much it would cost to fix this bike. And he's like, you did a lot of good research there. That's great. And then he walked away. <laughs> and he never fucking fixed the bike. And to this day, it is something that irritates. Uh, but I got over it. Because uh, a couple of years later, I was given a bike that worked. And then it was fine. <laughs> and uh, but uh, But I was like 15 or 16. And there's some darkness but i think it's weird about andy is my husband is that he there's darkness in his past too but it doesn't and there he could probably benefit from from therapy mm-hmm. like if he could find I think the right everyone per- yeah can. yeah but you just have to find the right person to to blurt it all out to right and someone who's not going to just go well what do you think that means and or say well, you should definitely get a divorce and stand on your head and turn into a butterfly. <laughs> I mean, like, like somewhere between those, those two, being the extremes. Those are the extremes. Hands, two hands on and two hands off. Right, right. Yeah. And I, I ended up having a very good therapist who was. Her only rule was that I could not try to make her laugh. She's like, I, I don't want to talk to Jackie Cation, stand up comic. I would like to talk to Jackie Cation, who uh, is not feeling well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was that hard for you? It was, and, um, but it was actually, what it made me do is it made me do the psychological work mm-hmm. of digging around in my brain box. So it did give me comedy in the end, because <laughs> now I got comedy gold coming out of my ears. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she was great. And she hilariously wrote a book with the dumbest name ever. But oh, she was a it? great therapist. Or do you not want to say? Oh, I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, <laughs> first of all, her name is Helene Z. Harris. I don't know if she's still alive. I haven't been to her in 15 years. But she's awesome. Uh, she was awesome for me. And uh, she wrote a book called Are You in Love with a Vampire? <laughs> oh, that's dumb, but I like it. Well, she meant emotional vampire. Mm-hmm. And I and we all get it, man. We get it. Yeah. It's the craziest name. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesomely dumb. Oh, my God. I bet um, 
here, watch, watch out. Here comes a segue that's going to knock your socks off. <laughs> I bet being in love with a vampire would just be exhausting. But you know what would be super rejuvenating? What? Sleeping on a Casper mattress. What? Mm-hmm. Is it a nice mattress? Oh, is it a nice mattress? Probably the nicest mattress you'll ever rest your weary body on. Um, here's the thing, you guys. The old way that we used to buy mattresses where you go to a mattress shop and you instantly get tired. That used to happen to me. And then you try out a bunch of different ones for a few minutes each. And then you're like, I think this will work. Studies have been done. That the What you think about the mattress in the store does not correlate to the happiness and the satisfaction with your mattress on the other side of it. So just get rid of that old model. That's Casper has come along and they are revolutionizing the way people buy mattresses because they, you just cut out the middleman, you deal with them directly, buy it online, uh, get your mattress. They send it to you in a box that it's like a sizable box, but still you're like, how's a whole bed in there? Uh, open it up. Mattress unfurls. You'll be comfortable and happy and you'll sleep on an adult mattress for the rest of your life and risk-free trial and return policy memory uh and mattresses are made in america and it's um it's memory foam and latex so just the right sink just the right bounce so like i said risk-free trial and return policy try sleeping on a casper for 100 days with free delivery to the u.s and canada and painless returns and a special offer for listeners of allison rosen is your new best friend get 50 dollars toward any mattress purchase by visiting www www.casper.com slash BFF, uh, like best friends forever, BFF. So again, www.casper.com slash BFF and using the promo code BFF. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so how did you, at what point did you get into comedy? I count the 80s as one year. <laughs> That's right. I was going to college, uh, went and saw some stand-up, and then... Um, Got sucked into it. It's a, I got, I, I always wanted to act mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I was like, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be a forest ranger. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be whatever. So you were ambitious. I had ambitions. And, uh, but I liked the idea of acting and I liked the idea of, of performing. But then I saw stand up when I went to college. Um, I went to open mic like three night, three weeks after I had seen a show. I went and did the open mic, wow. and the open mic was super addictive. And I got a 1.8 that semester. <laughs> and uh, and then my sister, and then, then the club burned down, luckily. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, not burned down by anyone in particular, but uh, I believe the insurance covered it. But what happened mm. then is I had to do open mics, and, my, and I wanted to just quit college and just move to New York and try to do it, and that was in 1985. And my sister who it turns out is the boss of me. <laughs> she said, you have to graduate. Uh, it'll only be another three years. And then the next year she said, it'll only be another three years. Because I wasn't a great student. Uh-huh. Guys. And uh, it took me five years. I did graduate. I actually appreciate graduating. I now. was going to say in retrospect, do you think that was the right call? I do, because it got me a better class of shitty day job. <laughs> it really helped my temp yeah. situation out a lot. I would have been more Jamba Juice mm-hmm. and less answer the phones mm-hmm. so it ended up actually helping and it's a lot you have a lot more energy at the end of an office day than you do at the end of a fast food day yeah um i worked in a fast food um hot dog stand for three summers um on cape cod and um 
Oh, that sounds so quaint. It was quaint. It was uh, in Provincetown. I worked at a foot-long hot dog stand in the gay resort of Provincetown, Massachusetts. And you know what never gets old? When you say to very drunk gay men, put a condiment on that. <laughs> Come on. I'm over here writing all the time, you guys. Even when I, too, was half in the bag working at a hot dog stand. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I started in, in, 80, in 84, 85, and then... I graduated in 88. I moved to Minneapolis in 90. I tried to move to New York and do stand-up comedy, but it was before barking and you had, it was all bringer shows. And mm. so I didn't know enough people to get any stage time. Barking. And I, I hadn't even heard that term, but that must be when those irritating people on the side of the street try to get you to go to a show. Yeah. Yeah. If you fly interested her for in comedy, four, interested in comedy. That's yeah. What I say. If you fly her for two to four hours, you get a set. And, uh, Oh, I didn't, I lived in New York for years and, did didn't, not know didn't the, even the realize that's how that works. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty brutal. I I don't know who's making money, but someone is, and uh -huh. it isn't the comics. <laughs> so right, but I couldn't even get sets that way, and I could not figure out the open mic situation. So, um, and I hated New York. How uh, long? So sounds like so. How long were you there? Two months, which is not oh, long enough to okay. hate anything. Like you have to live somewhere like a year before mm -hmm. you can really get friends and right. people to hang out with yeah. and figure things out. Oh, and I, f I feel like it takes even longer than that. To feel like you have roots in New York takes forever. Oh, yeah. I bet. Yeah, because New York is as crazy as it is. I think, so, yeah. Yeah. And um, plus I was living with two friends of mine who were newlyweds. Oh. Yeah. They didn't. They wanted me in their lives about as much <laughs> as you can imagine. <laughs> in Weehawken. Uh, so I would take the path into... Uh, into the Twin Towers, and I worked uh, on Wall Street at an insurance company. Was uh, that a temp job or a job job? It was a job job, and I and I quit by telling him my mother had died of cancer. Uh, I killed my dead mother, you guys. If you're going <laughs> to lie, kill somebody who's already dead. And uh, they Smart. did not believe me. They did not believe me. The guy was like, Hi, here's an idea. Why don't you just go back to Wisconsin for a couple of weeks, take a break, and then just come back, and, and I'll pay you two weeks vacation even to do it. And I was like, no, she's going to need me. And so I went back to Milwaukee and I lived with my sister that year. Um, and I, she got me a, she got me a, a, a like a temp job mm -hmm. at, at, at her work, um, next door foundation. It was like a nonprofit. She was a assistant development director at this thing. And then, and then in 90, I moved to Minneapolis. And so I did open mics in Milwaukee that winter. And then in the summer, I moved to Minneapolis in 90 with an old uh, one of my friends from college. And we roomed together until I moved to um, L.A. in like 96 or 97. But I did the road a bunch in the mid-90s. And then when I moved here, I had to cut it back because I was here trying to see if anyone cared and uh you know you're running up a flagpole and um and so i could go on the road like 10 weeks or two six-week runs because i had a temp job for the first year and then i got a permanent job at a closed captioning company mm -hmm. and they were really good about it they were like well you can we'll hire a temp to cover for you and you can go on the road for either two six-week runs or one 10-week run and i was like well you're amazingly supportive yeah and then i finally quit my day job in 2003 because I thought, well, I have to commit, you know, mm. and believe in myself. And so I did. And it was, it was some, you know, there's hard month to month and then you figure out how to do it. And, and I always, I always know that I could always go get a day job again if I had to. I don't want to. Uh, I'm perfectly happy not having a day job. And you and Maria Bamford are good friends, right? And I know that yeah. you, you tour together. Yep. She started in 92 and I met her in Minneapolis in 92. That was so, my question. Yeah. How'd you guys meet? Yeah. And, um, she started out, she was, um, 
And I've told this story a bunch of times. I met her. She was, she had shaved her head. She played the violin and, um, she had put feminist stickers all over her Toyota Camry, including the, 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 the roof. And, uh, <laughs> and I was, I was kind of, I was, I loved the, what she was doing, you know, stand up wise. And mm-hmm. so it was fascinating. And then she moved here and then I moved here after her. I think she was here two or three years longer than me. And then, um, yeah. And it always takes Los Angeles, you know, everyone, they say move to Los Angeles. Everybody always says that. If you are in the entertainment industry, there will be some banana head who just says, yeah, you should totally move here. It's going to be easy. And it's not. It's not easy. But mm-hmm. And it always takes about, in my opinion, uh, it takes 10 years for you to really realize what you're doing. Mm. And for pe- and for you to you m- mean met specifically all the people. if you move to L.A. or just in general in L.A. Okay, yeah, I don't know if I don't know what New York's like, but it takes like ten years for sort of it's a gas permeation uh, <laughs> kind of thing, right? Osmosis, and, yeah, and um, and 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 you figure out exactly how to do it, and then and then it can take it takes it, and then you still might not make it. I mean, who? And what is making it? You can't really define it. Right. When you when you show up, when people ask from other places, what would it take for you to be successful? Mm. They don't realize that just doing it is the successful part, you know? Even The Dork Forest, which is a podcast that, you know, it is not as popular as uh, some of the other other people's popular podcast but it's more more popular than other people Some, yeah. yeah it's somewhere right in the middle it's fine but i like doing it and so that's it's it has to be its own reward it just because nobody's gonna hand you 20s underneath the table unless you're super kind of lucky mm-hmm. you know i mean if oh my if, god are there podcasts where that happens <laughs> uh, i think there are podcasts where people make a living on their podcast well yeah do you hear about that, you hear about that? <laughs> i've heard about it and uh <laughs> so but and and that's and that's fine. And there and there are compromises you can make to do that too. Like if if I wanted to, you know, th- there would be ways, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just started charging for premium episodes, so who knows, you guys? This could be the year. <laughs> well, so you started it 10, 12 years ago, 11 years ago? This is the 11th year. I started 2006. That is um that's amazing. I'm trying to think what was going on podcast wise in 2006. Well, there were, there were podcasts. There were, there were probably like, there's at least three or four people that I've met who've been doing it before. Jimmy Pardo's comes to mm-hmm. mind. Right. He started four months before me and don't think that doesn't burn. It burns you guys. Jimmy yeah. Pardo, never I know. I, w- I was actually wondering how you feel about the fact that there are certain people that are always mentioned as like they started at the very beginning but yeah. you were there too. I was so almost there. I was almost there too. Right. Whenever um, I there was a panel that I sat in front of. It was called the Godfathers of Podcasting. I hope you were sitting in front of it just to block people. I was sitting in front of it just to remind everybody that hey, you guys, I've been doing my podcast yeah. longer than all of you. What was it? Panel? Uh, was it at? Um, uh, it was Podfest? at like comedy festival. Okay. Yeah, and uh, it was a. I don't think it was Podfest. It might have been. Uh, except for I know those guys. They might have put me on it. Uh, so, but it was Mark Marin. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Pardo and Greg Proops, I think, and um, a couple other people. And it was, and Marin brought up, he said, well, you know, Jackie might answer that because she was, <laughs> she started their podcast oh, a couple nice. years before me. It was really nice. You know, I got to do, 
I got to do his podcast in the early years of his podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm like episode 130 or something. So it's probably behind some firewall. But um, I'll say that, or it's on YouTube against the law. Uh, but the weird thing is, is I had no idea that it would become as popular. We None of us knew right. that this was going to be a real thing. So I opened a real vein on that one. God knows what I said about my family on that one. <laughs> Just what I said on my family about this one. Right. I think this is tempered. Well, speaking of aforementioned Lori Kilmartin and mm-hmm. Mark Marin and all that, I remember I was in New York and I got a call from a friend of mine who was a producer, like head writer, who said that he's working with Mark Marin and they're taping a pilot out in L.A., and would I be interested in being on the panel? And it's a show called, it was a TV thing. It was a show called W, called What the Fuck. Yeah. And it's like stuff where you feel like, what the fuck about it or something. Okay. Yeah. I think that's what he said. And I was like, um, for some reason, I had some hesitation. And I don't know if it was scheduling or if it was, I knew there was no money and I was going to have to pay to fly myself out. I was like, let me think about it for a second. And then I was like, oh, this sounds awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. And But by that point, whatever the lag time was, by that point, it was like, oh, he, Mark Filled decided it? he wanted to go with Lori Kilmartin. Oh, there you yes. go. Um, and I remember saying- So you saying, were at war. <laughs> <laughs> I remember saying, well, I think my friend Tom, who was working with Mark, knew who I was. Mark had no idea who I was. Okay, then. Yeah. yeah. So it was really not about me at all. However, I remember saying this this part has no relation to anything we've been talking about. It's just me talking about me now. Here I go. <laughs> I remember saying to my friend, oh, no, is it because I hesitated? And he's like, oh, no, it has. Because I worried that I had like shot myself in the foot. You know? Right. He's like, no, it has nothing to do with that. It's just that Mark knows Lori and likes Lori. Right. So anyway. Well, it's, but I will say that whenever you say, well, I'm going to think about it. And then they fill it while you, in the, in the interim. Yeah. It was you. But I'll tell you this. But I have a feeling even if I had said yes, he was he still going to. Yeah. I, sus- I suspect if I had said yes, it still wouldn't have happened. Well, first of all. The show turned it. It didn't. It wasn't right. a TV show. Didn't anyway. get picked up. But yeah, it was. He was. Mark was going to want Lori. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. Yeah. I. That's my my sense of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this is that um, whenever anybody offers me a show uh, in New York and there's no air and hotel, I'm always like, I don't even think about it. I think no, <laughs> no. What am I, Rockefeller? <laughs> right. Right. So this was. Um, yeah. I mean, this was years ago, and it was. I was. It more felt desperate. like a big deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, actually, it felt like an opportunity. It felt like a potential opportunity. Yeah, fair enough. It's um, it was. Yeah, I might have. I might have tried to find. It's weird. Years ago, I might have tried to find the money to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And now, when I have a bit of a, a ba- some backup and a decent credit card, uh, I could do it. And I'd be like, no, that's how it happens, though. Yeah, you're just it's like when you when you are more desperate you're more willing to spend money to create opportunities yeah versus when you're a little more comfortable you can be choosy right it's so weird it's like that whole marie antoinette thing where you're like well you don't need this cake i'm gonna give it to you for free kind of that never happened that is a historical uh that's not true right because wasn't it actually like what it what actually happened with marie antoinette yeah uh she 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 was like they could eat yeah, let, let them eat cake. Let them eat cake. Uh, but w- that stemmed from the fact that um, there was a problem with, I think it was milk, uh-huh. or there was there was a shortage of some very basic uh, thing, but I don't think it was 
grain. It might have been grain, but whatever it was, is she was like, well, let them eat cake instead of having meat or berries or whatever the hell the other thing right. was. And nobody looked at her. And, I mean, and, and it's just, it's turned into this thing where you're like, what, why would you just have, and she's like, she didn't mean have a sweet, she just meant, well, they should just eat other food. if they're Right. Not, and which is also callous. But, but I think what I had heard there's someone who knows the answer for sure who's like, ah, I'm going yeah, insane their right now. Yeah. yeah. But I think that what I heard was when whatever word she used for cake, like didn't we think of it now as like a confection as something sweet, but it, she just meant something bready. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. yeah the, she just meant, she meant bread, a staple basically. food. Yeah. She didn't mean... She didn't mean um, an eclair or something. Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was no, it wasn't a fancy wedding cake. Right. Yeah. It wasn't anybody's birthday. Let's... Um, you want to do this question thing? Or? In a moment, yeah. Let's take some questions from listeners. But first, I just want to say, you guys, if you're going to buy something from Amazon, which you are, because they have everything, click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost anything extra, but it helps out the show. And thank you so much for your Amazon support. Also, I am on Patreon. Patreon is like Kickstarter. Um, you can support artists, podcasts in an ongoing fashion, a monthly basis. And there's different reward levels. There's bonus episodes. There's an exclusive live video stream interactive uh and there's a level where you get merchandise all sorts of fun stuff check it out patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash allison rosen okay let's take uh questions from listeners when we ask they send them in they're wondering how you have been so thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans okay Mary Giglio, I hope I'm saying that right, because I could also pronounce it Giglio, but I think it's probably Giglio, says, what's your Hogwarts house? Also, what's it like to form a friendship via podcast? Oh, she's talking about the Jackie and Laurie show, of course, Mm -hmm. because we didn't know each other very well. And um, uh, I will answer that first. Uh, It's kind of cool. It's uh, because... Like, I really have gotten to know Laurie Kilmartin pretty well. Uh, I think we all know, first and foremost, that Laurie Kilmartin is a stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that she wants to grow up and be a stand-up comic. And that she, when she was born, she was a stand-up comic. <laughs> so <laughs> the um, to find out anything else about her is, it feels like a, it feels like a, a, a secret. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I think I'm actually becoming her friend. <laughs> so it's a slow process. It's like taming a wild bird. You <laughs> on- please come- <laughs> somebody sound bite that. <laughs> Fuck. You talk on your album about trouble making friends. Do you yeah. have but when you were younger, do you feel like you have that as an adult still? I have thousands of friends now. I'm good at it. That line graph really helped me out. <laughs> it really did. It's good times. It's uh it's uh I'm still not great with like intimacy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not good with, I, I'm not, I'm not socially just a great, you know, I was at lunch with a friend of mine and he was started crying and it wasn't crying about anything real. It was mm. crying about something like a, not, and I mean, it wasn't like a cowboy song or anything, but I mean, <laughs> it was like, it was somewhere between like dead Syrians and his own dead parents. Mm-hmm. Like, and neither of those two things were the thing that he was even talking about. It was just something, it was real to him, but it wasn't that big of a deal. And mm-hmm. it was kind of distant. I hope you said all that to him. 
No shit, I did. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I'm not good at this. Uh, <laughs> there's hit and miss with that. I'm like, hey, wrap it up with the crunch. Uh, uh, is he a, a dramatic guy in general? He is a dramatic okay. guy, which I think is, and I am not the hero of that story, the story I just told you, <laughs> because uh, just let him cry. Just let him be, uh, he's, he's a person. Mm-hmm. He's upset about a thing. <laughs> Why don't you just say, Oh, I'm sorry you're upset about that and move on with everybody's life. Um, like a friend. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. So that's the friendship thing. And then what was, what was my Hogwarts thing? Yeah. Hogwarts house. Just discussing this because I just recorded an episode today with Michael Palasek about Harry Potter. Huge Harry Potter fan. He had the same problem. I don't know if you've been to Pottermore. I haven't. And I, I'm not even that familiar with Harry Potter, except I recently started the first book because I'm like, I've, I've really got to get into this. Yeah. And, and, if you, um, and if you're having trouble, read it. Uh, the Audible, Jim Dale, oh. is so great. He does all the voices. It's really fun. Okay. It's more of a theater experience. It's quite Maybe nice. I want something more immersive. Right. Maybe you do. <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> and uh, so, but the... Um, uh, yeah, so when I first went to Pottermore, it was probably, it was years ago, it was before the revamp, and I was put in Gryffindor. And so I have since then purchased Gryffindor items. I have a Gryffindor scarf, for example. Now, I'm probably the only person who doesn't understand so much of that sentence, but... Well, it's... Sorry, a, wait, what is Pottermore? Pottermore is the Harry Potter, um, it, it has a sorting hat in it. And it will, it's, it's essentially J.K. Rowling's website uh, oh, of all things okay. Harry Potter. For a second, I just assumed this must be the thing at Universal Studios. No, this is from <laughs> before not. Universal Studios. Gotcha. And, um, and so I was put into Gryffindor, which is, there were different houses, right? It's right. like a sorority, but the, when you go to this Hogwarts. Is for when you go to the wizard school. When you go to the wizard school, they put you in different houses so gotcha. that they can organize you. Okay. It's essentially dormitories. What mm-hmm. dorm did you end up in? Right. Kind of thing. And, um. Oh, now I want to go there, even though I know now, just, just to see where right. I end up. Yeah. Right, right. And so I was put into Gryffindor about a year and a half ago or two years ago. They redid the algorithm. Boo! So I took it again. Took Is it based on a quiz? It's a quiz. Okay. About your life choices. Like, are you a Samantha, but of Harry Potter? Right. Um, yes. And I get that because that's sex and the mm-hmm. city. Correct. Yes. It's not sex in the no, city, No, you right? think it is. And it, it would make more sense if it were. Right, because they're in the city and they're, and they're constantly having, sex. having yeah. sex. Yeah, right. But they're having sex with the city, possibly. It's just like, hey, we're going to talk about sex and also the city. And the city of New York. Yeah, it makes no sense and to me. Excellent. Um, they always wonder who would... Okay, anyway, I'm gonna. I'm not going to digress. Hogwarts so I took, took it yeah. again, and they put me in Hufflepuff. Mm. And um, But I had already purchased all of my Gryffindor stuff, so I'm in Gryffindor. And ha- Chris Hardwick is like, you are such a Ravenclaw. And Because uh, there's four. There's Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, right. Hufflepuff, and Slytherin. And um, Hardwick thinks I'm a Ravenclaw. That is very flattering. They're very smart people. Uh, Gryffindor, very brave. Hufflepuff, very loyal. Oh, and, so they're all good. Yeah. And well, and Slytherin, just wily. They're, they're the bad guys to some extent. Oh, okay. And, but you can use your powers for, for evil in any of those houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you could be a lug in Hufflepuff, right? You could just be a big giant duffer. Uh, or in, uh, in Gryffindor, you could, you could be a bit of a bully and you could think that you were, you could be self-righteous in right. your, in your courage. And uh, how irritating would that be? So very, <laughs> I one can only imagine. Uh, one easily imagined. <laughs> and uh, so, um, so there you go. There's the long answer. So, and I realize I should move on, but I refuse now. 
you have all your Gryffindor stuff, right? And I don't even know what kind of stuff that was. His- yeah, I have gloves. Gryff- I have a I have a hat. I okay. have a, a baseball cap that's a seeker because Harry Potter is the seeker on the the right. Quidditch team. You, so you so you got all your Gryffindor stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You go to this website. Mm-hmm. Now you take the quiz again just to check in. Mm-hmm. You're put into Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. I'm getting mad just thinking about it. Oh yeah. Did you take it again just to make sure that the computer didn't mess up? I don't know that you can take it again. Oh, where they lock you out? You mm-hmm. could use like incognito or something. Right, right. Yeah, I'd have to make up another. Uh, oh, you have to sign in. You have to sign in. Yep. Okay. And I don't know if you've ever, of course you haven't, uh, been to the <laughs> Universal Harry Potter lands. No, but everyone everyone posts pictures and I want to go. They're re- very cool. It's very cool. But know in your heart that it is a giant mall. Okay. All it is is an opportunity to buy everything you have ever fucking wanted in Harry Potter world, and it is awesome. I better get and, more into it before I go then, because right now I there wouldn't are, know. There are four rides, and the rides are great, and, and this is Orlando. Wait. No, Orlando, I think, has five rides. Okay. Uh, this one has two and a half rides. And uh, and then the stores, like you can go to the... To the um, to the wand shop mm-hmm. and you can see the tiny show about wands and, and, and it's fun. Uh, and then you, they dump you into the wand shop and you can buy two different, there's two different kinds of wands, wands that have an RFID chip in them and wands that do not. And at first I thought that because all over the park, there are plaques on the, on the ground that are brass plaques that have uh, symbols on them. And if you make that motion with your wand, something magical happens. Oh, that's cool. It's really cool. I thought it was the best use of motion detectors ever. Turns out you got to have one with the RFID Mm. RFID, uh, chip. And so I bought one the last time I went. And uh, it was super fun. So you said two and a half rides Mm -hmm. at Universal Studios. What is this shitty half ride? The shitty half ride are, and they're not shitty. It's a perfectly good half ride. (laughs) Uh, It's more like, it's like (laughs) that... The coolest thing, because I've been to both now, right? And so there are like two rides, I think, in one park, one side, the Hogwarts side, and two rides in the in the Gringotts Diagon Alley side. And then there's, and this is in Orlando. And then there's the train, the Hogwarts Express, that takes you between. That's five rides, I think. There might be, there might be a couple. I I might have been uh, underestimating, but whatever. The the ride in the Universal here in Los Angeles is only the Hogwarts ride and then they don't have a Gringotts ride and they don't have um but they do have a three broomsticks um but that's Hogsmeade which is the town next to Hogswart and um yeah so I can't name it but I think of half rides as kind of the thing at the at the wand shop mm. where it's more of a show right it's sort of a show and then like you're not transported kind you're I just mean, in- informed Right. And all of uh, the stores in the in the Hog- in the Hogwarts villages are tiny. Mm-hmm. And that's JK Rowling because she said, I want it to look like real tiny English towns. And I have a friend who works at Universal who was like, yeah, that's great. But we're trying to get 100,000 people in there. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of, isn't there a way we could just make them look tiny on the outside and then they're big on the inside like the TARDIS? Uh-huh. And, uh, and she <laughs> said, nope. So... It affects oh, sales. It affects sales. Well, that goes right into this question from T-Chess. As a shorter person, do tall people people ever pat you on the head? Interesting. I've never thought of myself as a, as a short person. Are you? 
five four. I've never been patted on the head, but it is an excellent way to five get a four finger is not, broken. Is not particularly short. No, not so, for women. I. Uh, You've done what you can, teach us. Uh, I understand you wanted to play the game. <laughs> so, nobody's ever patted me on the head. Please do not pat me on the head. Right. Uh, well, I, per, he did, or she, start with just me or every other hobbit, which is a reference to the segment oh. that we'll do after, which is just me or everyone. Oh. So, And uh, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. So maybe he knew that. Yeah. Or okay. she knew that. And I'll say this, is that... Um, I, what that made me think of is, you know how people, you can go to like an aquarium and pet like, uh, the, the flying fish and then dolphins. Yeah. And I always think I'm not doing that. I wouldn't Mm. want a giant hand to come from the sky and pat me on the head. I'm just going to look at them. I just don't want to touch them. I don't have a problem. I've, I've touched them. Okay. And then I, and then I realized that seems rude. Why don't you let them be? Yeah. But, uh, I understand you're trying to get kids okay with spiders or something. I don't know what they're doing. (laughs) Um, Shmoo wants to know, <laughs> can you describe a day in Tiberius's life? I need to know more. I'm sorry. Tiberius. Tiberius, Tiberius Dracus is our iguana. Oh. We have an iguana. He's 22 years old. And uh, Have you had him for all those years? Yep. Andy mm-hmm. has had him for all of those years. Uh, he got him when he was tiny. And then um, today is a good day because it's sunny, but it's winter. And the thing about Tiberius's uh, or iguanas is they are cold-blooded. And so in the winter... There's a lot of sitting around, a lot of waiting for summer. And uh, he sits on his rock. He sits in his UV light lamp underneath. And he doesn't eat a lot. He usually eats like every couple of days uh, when it's um, in winter. And it's been a particularly cold and rainy winter for Los Angeles. And so today has been great because it's sunny and hot. And yesterday was warm too. So I made him a big bowl. He eats leafy greens. He eats a calcium rich leafy green with a banana. That's what <laughs> oh, he eats. That's so cute. Yep. He doesn't eat any sort of crickets or anything. It's just all veg. Is that all iguanas or just all iguanas? Uh-huh. They, they can eat crickets when they're little, mm-hmm. but when they grow up, they just uh, calcium rich greens and like a tropical fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, he also enjoys a pumpkin because uh, we have a garden in the backyard. And oh. when the pumpkins go, you know, bad. He likes uh, super ripe. And um, so today uh, I uncovered his, his kennel in the garage, opened up the window because there was sun, direct sunlight better than the UV light, mm-hmm. even though the UV light does the job. It's just not as good. It's like taking vitamins versus eating asparagus. Right. And so um, I filled up his, his bowl and um, and he moved. He has three. He has, uh, he has the ground. He has his middle shelf which has his rock his hot rock and then he's got his up high shelf uh which has uh he can see out the window so he was sitting on his uh up high rock and uh that's what he does how big is he three and a half feet long wow and he does a lot of head bobbing Mm -hmm. it's very uh joey tribbiani kind (laughs) of what are you doing how are you doing (laughs) and uh he's like hey and uh he's just showing how big he is and he is male it's he are are iguanas affectionate he can be. He's certainly interested in your heat mm. as a cold-blooded animal. And he is, he's pretty supportive. He's, they're not very bright. So he, he gets male rage occasionally. And so when he's in the yard, just, and I'm working in the garden, a couple of times he's charged, mm. but he doesn't, he's not fast. So <laughs> all of a sudden you'll look up from shoveling and you'll see him pad, 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 
pat, pat, pat in a very, with his mouth open. His mouth is open. It means he's mad and he wants to bite you, but he doesn't have any teeth. He only has cartilage. Mm. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he couldn't hold you and do what he does with plants, which is to then turn his head really fast, which will rip your skin. Has that um, ever happened to you guys? Not what well, to Andy had it happen on his hand uh-huh. uh, one time when, cause he was never, he never had rage until he was about 15 or 18 years old. So. Um, but he, I remember he was charging I at me. I wonder what happened to him. <laughs> well, he, not what happened to him, but I mean, I wonder what, what changed. Yeah. I don't know what, you, yeah, we don't know what happened to him yeah. either. <laughs> what happened to his psyche. But so he's running at me and I was just looking at him going, Oh, this is happening. He's running at me. Oh my gosh. Did you ever see speed two? Uh, so it's like, uh, where the cruise ship is heading towards the, the shore inexorably, uh, boringly for an hour and a half. Anyway, so. Right. So that's what he's like running. Yeah. It's like someone running at you with a knife for an hour and a half. <laughs> so he's running at me. And so I just, I put the shovel in front of my foot. And so he gets to my foot and he, and he sees the shovel and he's like, well, thank God she's gone because <laughs> he's not very bright. Right. And, uh, and then I moved and then, um, he charged me again and I was like, Oh, well, someone wants to go back into their kennel. So I picked him up and shoved him back in his kennel. I was like, dude, you blew it. Mm. But he's, he, it's very rare. It's very rare that he's, he's anything. And he's, it, he does lose his temper a little bit with the cats. We have feral cats in the yard. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes he'll just, they'll just lie next to each other unlikely friends that's uh, so cute in the summer and then sometimes he's like nope and he'll thwack his tail <laughs> and hit a cat and then they're like yikes and then they'll head off mm-hmm. and he doesn't like dogs because they, they scare him i think Aww. i think they scare him and uh when he was littler they were just a little more aggressive mm-hmm. and i think andy had a cat when he was really little and uh they grew up together to some extent and and tiberius was able to meet the cat on equal footing right jeff this must make you feel good jeff is he's very pro cat he feels in general that my podcast i'm putting words in your mouth he feels in general my podcast tips a little bit in a more pro dog anti-cat direction (laughs) i maintain that is not true however i do see his point but i'm just saying look tiberius doesn't like dogs does like cats i'm not again as i've said i'm not anti-dog i'm anti-anti-cat Right. Oh, there you go. I was standing up for cat rights. Right. Sure. <laughs> sure. Do you have a cat? I have 13 black cats. <laughs> That's against the law. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> I have a kennel license. He's kind of a. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a cat. awesome. Cat's rights activist. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Maria Bamford actually has many pugs, but they're all old and they all have some sort of problem. And, uh,. In her own words, she's like, it's almost like we're running a hospice for aging pugs here because <laughs> they keep dying because they're old and sick. But right. she makes their last months super great. That's so sweet. Very sweet. How I, many does she have? She had, uh, I think, one just died, so she has three. <clears throat> and four pugs is plenty. Four dogs is plenty. <laughs> It's a lot. Yeah. The, by law in, Calif- in, in Los Angeles, every person can have two pets. I did not even know that. Yeah. Yeah, so the city of Los three Angeles. pets are breaking this. Law. Yeah, they don't enforce it so right. much. But if you like, I I had a guy on the podcast once who had ninety six cats, and that just um, sounds like a hoarding situation. It was a hoarding situation, and I was like, I don't know that this is a dorkdom, my friend, and uh, <laughs> this is not dork forest positive. And um, I was like, I'm not, and I'm allergic to cats, mm-hmm. so I won't be like I like feral cats a lot because they hang out. But they don't want to cuddle, and I'm allergic to cats. But I like cats, so right that way you get to look at them and see them play and hang out. Yeah, they're not 
getting on your clothes. Right, right, exactly. They're getting on my clothes. I could feed them a tiny uh, chopped up chicken, and uh, we could we're in this together. <laughs> okay, let's do just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay, not born in... Oh, sorry. This this segment, um, people write in with things that they think or they do, and they wonder, is it just me or is it everyone? And okay. And we weigh in as well. So not born in April says, I like to watch people parallel park and judge their skills or lack thereof. <laughs> I have never, I've never done that. I am probably the person who you're silently judging or not silently. Uh, I, I also do not watch other people parallel park. It is kind of stressful for me. Yes. Because I want to just go, did you want me to, do you want me to park that for you? Because <laughs> uh, I'm actually quite good at it. Can you go to either side? Yes. I can, I cannot parallel park to the left. On to the park rare... on, on, on the driver's side? Yeah. yeah. You know, I probably could, but it you could. makes me uncomfortable thinking it's a, about it's it. It's a learned skill. You yeah. could learn it. Yeah, I don't. I don't judge people negatively when I watch them parallel park. But when I see someone do it, and you can tell they're not good at it, and I'm watching, and they're they've got it, they've got it. I just want to jump out of my car and do the big wave right, right. coming around third base. Like, come on, you got it! Don't, no, don't give up. You almost got it. You're gonna clear this. Oh, that's funny. Actually, come to think of it, I feel like parallel parking on the driver's side would probably be easier because you're so much closer to the obstacles. I don't know. I just uh, all I know is I'm supposed to line up with the steering wheel of the car next to me, and then I'm supposed to uh, crank and then straighten out and then pull forward. That's the whole plan. I never knew. I mean, I probably did at one point, but the steering wheel next to me thing—I never did that. I never do that. It's a it's a nice way to it's a good way to judge how where where the turn should be. Right. Yeah. In general, I just prefer not to <laughs> not to parallel park. Yeah, I love to valet you guys. Mm-hmm. 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 Unknown Chico IT guy says, after dinner dishes go straight into the dishwasher. Midnight snack dishes stay on counter until morning. I mean, look, the fact that your midnight snacks have dishes, that's impressive. That is. You're not just eating out of the tub. Right. Of whatever. The vat. I'm a huge fan. Nancy Cation, wash, wipe, and put away. Live to eat another day. So every dish, uh, you use it, you wash it, you put it in the drain. Right away. Right away. And then um, Andy Ashcraft, on the other hand, does a weird thing where he only washes his own dishes. Oh. Like he's, like he's my roommate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, man, uh, kind of in this together. No, I, uh, okay, All right, just going to do your cereal bowl. All right. <laughs> that might just be me. My husband and I pretty much do our laundry separately. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I think because... He is more mindful of separating stuff. And oh. in general, I'm like a fairly monochromatic person. And I don't have a lot of stuff that can't be mixed together. So, And I also do, I'll do pretty small loads and he'll do laundry like once a week. Okay. Whereas I'm like a sort of every couple of days kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just find it easier. I don't know. It's probably, it's probably not very environment. Well, now that we have a baby, there's, it's, someone's always doing laundry. But... um. I was going to say, it's not that enviro-friendly, probably. We should just be combining it. But for well, some reason, we just do it separately. I have always... Uh, I don't mind doing laundry. A lot of people don't like it. Yeah, I don't mind so, it. So um, I do his laundry. and then, But he has a lot of things that he hangs up. Because mm. he likes to hang up his pants and his dress shirts and stuff for work. Right. And so what I'll do is I'll wash it. 
and then I'll take the items that he wants to hang out. And I used to hang everything up, but I still do sometimes. But now I've taken to just grabbing that stack of uh, pants and shirts and handing them to him and going, will you be the one <laughs> who hangs these up? And he says, I will. I will be the one. Do you guys one. have a convenient place to hang them? Um, we have a big yard, so we could oh. hang things in the yard. And I did when we first moved there, but California sun is super bright mm-hmm. and it will fry the color of your clothing if you do not get on it. Interesting. So we do hang things indoors. So it's not, it kind of ruins my idea that we might have, we could have lived in the middle ages. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, Jay Inslee says, I think, how did I get into this show while watching reality TV like Moonshiners, Gold Rush, and Naked and Afraid? Oh, sort of a guilty pleasure kind of thing? Yeah, I think just the like, well, I I know that sometimes when watching Vanderpump Rules, I'll remember fondly back to when I didn't know who any of them were and they all looked kind of the same to me. Whereas now I know them. I don't know what that is. What is that? It's a a spinoff of... Real Housewives of Beverly Hills mm-hmm. and all the action, not all the action, but it, it concerns the lives of a bunch of bartenders at one of Lisa Vanderpump's bars. And I know it sounds terrible, but it is, <laughs> it's engrossing. It is mesmerizing somehow. Yes. Somehow you I went get to high in. school with someone who is in, was on the last season of Real Housewives who? of Beverly Hills. Her name was Kathleen. She was married to NBA people. Oh. Like football, NBA, like sports people. She was Jenna the boring was one. She would know. Okay. She was, I guess she was too boring to stay on, mm. which makes me like her more. Is that how you remember her from high school? I don't boring. remember her at all. Oh. And, then uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that she went on to marry both an NBA, a pro basketball player, and then I think a pro, pro football player. So she has a type. She very much Rich. enjoys a very wealthy, very athletic gentleman. Right. That's what she's looking for. Mark Duranso says, when filling up the gas tank, I always make it a point to stop on an even dollar amount. I think we've had similar ones to that, perhaps that one I have before. That. I have that one. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't do that. I just let it fill up. Yeah. I want it to, I want it to be $11 exactly. I want it to be $36 exactly. Whatever it is. Even though I'm going to guess you're not paying with cash because nope. no one does anymore, right? Nope. I'm, and, and I've prepaid. I've prepaid. I put the card in the pump. It doesn't matter. Right. Can't possibly matter. And I don't look to, to do exactly 11 gallons. Mm. I, it's only the money digital number that I give a hoot about, but I'm with you, sir. But are you trying to like fill it up as much as possible, but on an even number? Yep. Or, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I. I would never, because I hate filling it up. Yeah. I'm more. That's interested. why I just let it go all the way. Yeah. I'm more interested in filling it up all the way, and then if it's at like eleven ninety six, I'm like, oh, there's another. They can oh. have these for. Oh, you top off. Yeah. Even though it says do not top off. Yes, I love the judgmental in your voice and <laughs> the fact that it's not even really topping off. I'm just giving them four cents. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's weird there's like a few rules i adhere to not topping off is one of them and i don't even know why well because you don't want to spill gas into the earth i guess it, i think in it my head somehow it's friendly. like if i top off something's gonna blow up makes no sense um thomas cannon says how hard they scrape my teeth makes me wonder if my mouth just fills up with plaque he's talking about at the dentist obviously um and uh, I've, I just assume that they're scraping my teeth the regular amount of scraping. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I've never thought like, oh, this feels more laborious or something. I always think, are they getting down to something I'm going to need? 
Yeah, like did they just take off enamel? Mm-hmm. What are they? I mean, I I can't see the plaque. I don't understand how they can. Right. I'm not a trained dental hygienist. No, nor am I. It'd be weird if I were and you were right, and it's just right. coming up now. Yeah. It's just coming up now. That's what I went to school for. And uh, <laughs> how great would that have been though? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I, my understanding, I think plaque is the soft stuff and then tartar or, or calculus. I've heard it referred to that as that as well. It's hard. Is like when it's, when, when it's like, oh, I feel like they took off part of my tooth. Oof. Yeah. And it always seems weird too that like getting down into the gum pockets and sort of digging around in there is good for you because it would seem to me that like leave that alone. Yeah, they keep telling me not to use Q-tips in my ears. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> I probably shouldn't. Uh, okay, they shouldn't have invented Q-tips then. No, they shouldn't have because that's what they're for. What do they what what do they claim they're for? Applying ointment or something? <laughs> you got anything? Oh, I was looking up the difference between plaque and tartar stuff. Oh, <laughs> that's got to be pulling up disgusting pictures. Oh, I'm I'm specifically looking just for text. I am not. That's smart. Yeah, good call. I, I good knew call. I knew whatever image showed up would be. This gross. is your first Google search. No. Okay. okay. And lastly, Stunt Panda says, "Have you ever eaten food so good you don't want to wash the smell off your hands?" I mean, I can't think specifically of a time that that's happened. Although I could imagine it. I could imagine it. Whenever I um chop garlic mm-hmm. um i will occasionally smell my hands after oh, so that that's gross a, no 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 okay. but that's an that's an instant like oh i want this smell off of my hands for me oh no i want i want that to stay yeah i mean even though i like the smell it reminds it's just me of my so, grandmother <laughs> <laughs> it just sticks with you on your hands mm-hmm. like that's one that there's actually isn't there something like a garlic stone or there's like various things you can buy that are supposed to be able to get the smell out of your hands because it's just so pungent. Regarding this person's question, yes. Panda, um, I, you know, I, I never knew this is Andy does this thing where he, he's interested in his last bite of oh, his dinner. Interesting. Like he'll, he'll like, we'll be out to dinner and he'll save some portion of his meal from his plate. He's like, that's going to be my last bite. Does he do this every time? Uh, I kind of love that. He does it kind of. I, I, I'm not always watching him eat, mm-hmm. but I, I think he does. And so I'm like, oh, do I want to play the last bite game? And uh, <laughs> and I don't. Uh-huh. Uh, I sometimes do if if it's a particularly good meal, though. So Is it like, is the last bite more tender or is it a, a com- the perfect combination of things? Or? I think it's um like with sushi, it's his favorite kind of sushi. Mm, yeah. With... um. With a sweet treat, it's he's like, like if it's a f- a tiny flight of s- sweets, right? I am Marie Antoinette. I am living <laughs> some sort of blessed life that has a flight of sweets. Seriously, and uh, <laughs> he'll pick like the one that he's like, oh, I like that one the best. I right. will eat these others, but then that <laughs> is going to be my last bite. I I I love that. That is treating yourself right. I think mm-hmm. I'm not that. W- I've become not that way though because. Since I'm always making it, except for all the time I was pregnant, but before that, like I'm always making an effort to diet. I'm always thinking, well, I'm not going to eat the other ones. I'm just going to have my favorite. And then inevitably, I eat the other ones too. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, that is hilarious, Jackie Cation. It was delightful having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I was like, oh, there's applause. It's- I was looking for that one question that someone oh, had right. asked me. It, yes, they wanted to know what's what was the it? biggest dog oh. you've ever seen. Well, that's right. 
That's why I wasn't too worried about it. Because I can't, uh, the biggest dog, I think it was uh, like a Mastiff or something. They're huge. Or a super tall, no, it was a Greyhound. Ah. Not a Whippet, but a Greyhound. A friend of mine used to have a Greyhound named her Spinach, I think was the name of this dog. And this dog, Portland, Oregon. So this dog, because they're runners, mm-hmm. but Greyhounds aren't. They're short distance runners. They're marathon runners. The people who own this dog, my friend from college, who live in Portland, Oregon. And Spinach uh, would occasionally bite things. And then he uh, bit the leg off of the neighbor cat. Oh, no. Yeah. And that was the last straw. Uh, and What she's, happened to Spinach? Well, they had to give him back to the Greyhound um, rescue place and find a place that had more play, more room for him to run, essentially, mm-hmm. or her to run. Um, and fewer cats. Fewer, possibly. The weirdest thing about that story is that my friend said um, something. Oh, she told me that, that she had bit the neighbor's cat, that Spinach had bit the neighbor's cat's leg off. And I said, well, you don't have a domesticated animal. You have a wild animal. Yeah. And she said, do you think the zoo would take it? <laughs> oh, my God. And I said, no. No, That's I don't. Very literal. Literal uh, minded. Super literal. Too literal. I feel bad for this cat. How does that even happen? How could that mean he bit spinach, he or she bit through the bone? Yeah, yeah. Just bit a bit of. You're oh, just like that's out of awful. That sounds it's awful. Out of, right. But that cat is uh, still alive. Perfectly oh, okay. happy cat. Perfectly uh, three legged. I mean, easy for you to I mean, say. Easy but... for me to say. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> so I like a black cat, though. We, the, most of our feral cats are black because uh, uh, I think people are m- mad about black cats for some reason. Yeah, when I adopted one of my black cats, I test drove a bunch of cats at the shelter. And as I was trying another one, the lady said, oh, that first cat that you tried, that black cat, did you like him? I said, yeah, he was great. She said, well, look, these other ones you're looking at, they'll be gone by Monday. That black cat's been here for six months. If you like him, take him. And I was like, great. I loved him. I will take him, pack him up. So she's packing him up. And I, and I said, what's the problem with black cats? Is, it, is, that, like a, is that like a racist thing? <laughs> and she looked at me like... I'm stupid and goes, no, it's because they're bad luck. Right. And I thought, well, it is a racist. Don't cop an attitude with me. At least racism is real. I mean, my idea is dumb, but at least racism is a thing. It's witches. It's it's witches and and bad luck cats and stuff. But you're like, it's a freaking cat. Who cares what color it is? If there's one thing that's dumber than racism in the 21st century, it's fear of bad luck from black cats. So, yeah. 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 They're a good group. Um, everyone should go out and get your album or download it. I am not it. the hero of this story. Yes, right. please. It will be out by the time you, it will have just freshly been out by the time you hear this. Right. And, um, and you can hear all of them, all, all of my old stuff on Pandora and Spotify and stuff. You can buy my new album. You can buy all the albums if you want, but yeah, tell um, everyone where to go to find you and uh, to if, find your if, stuff. If you go to JackieCation.com and if you can't spell Jackie Cation, go to FamilyPetAncestry.com because I bought it and I pointed it at JackieCation.com. That's smart. It is because I, uh, I have a joke about how, um, people are going to want to know if their cat came over on the Mayflower <laughs> and, uh, they'll go to FamilyPetAncestry.com. Is my dog eligible to join the dar the dogs of the american revolution um family pet anyway so <laughs> yeah so it's it's and it's at jackie cation on all the things right like twitter and instagram mm-hmm. and snapchat and all that perfect and, and then uh my podcasts are the dork forest and the jackie and Lori show awesome so if you like pods Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Subscribe, iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. Jeff, where do we go for you? You can follow you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. Perfect. Thank you again, Thanks listeners. Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen?
show We had a good time But now we gotta go Yeah, Allison Rosen Is your new best friend